You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Appreciate that. Please, please be seated. It is always wonderful to be with you. And the great thing being a guest speaker is you get to experience the service twice. <clears throat> so that same beautiful presence of God <clears throat> and minister the word to you. Uh, I was here just over eight days ago. Uh, how many SLS students are here today? All right. Yeah, so during the school year, I'm here with you once a month and teach Thursdays and Fridays once a month and then do my radio show. So I was here just a little over a week ago, but then had to fly to San Francisco to speak at a conference all day Saturday, then Sunday morning, then fly from there, just a quick flight over to Hawaii. And uh, YWAM had brought in senior leaders from over 60 nations for a few intensive days of gathering. So I got to pour in there for a day, then fly back through the night to get back uh, for Thursday at Liberty University. Our oldest granddaughter is graduating from Liberty next month. And uh, I, yes, yeah, it's amazing. And by the way, time does fly. It really does go fast. So once uh, she got accepted there, I said, hey, Ellie, I said, I will, I will speak at Liberty while you're there. And it wasn't a, a big reach to do it. I knew professors that would gladly host me to do something there. Uh, one of my close friends is friends with the leadership of the school. And I've spoken at so many campuses I thought, no problem. So I, I promised I'd get here before, before she graduated. And then some things changed. COVID happened. There were delays, et cetera. So she graduates next month. And I finally got invited to speak this past week. So I made it with three weeks to spare. <laughs> got to keep my promise. Uh, but flew over from Kona straight to Virginia, a few stops, and then home for almost 24 hours to kiss my bride of 47 years. And uh, turn around and be right back here. So here we are without skipping a beat. Okay, three quick announcements, and then we will open up the word together. And I believe you'll be enriched and changed by the message. Over 25 years ago, God started to speak to me about being on national talk radio. And, and at that point, it was completely impossible for me to even consider it with schedule and many other things. But he, he began to lay it on my heart that I'd be on live talk, daily radio. And he began to stir my heart and gave me a promise. I've been carrying this for well over two decades. That as surely as there was a civil rights movement in America, that there will be a gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in our country. Amen. I'm not talking about taking up arms against the government. I'm talking about Jesus so transforming his people that we have a transforming effect on the nation. Amen. And I've carried these two promises together. I knew being on the radio was right in the middle of this. So we have been on live talk radio since 2008, but we had to cut back on many stations years ago. We weren't able to, to finance being on the air. And God has moved on me year in, year out to pray for the national expansion, knowing that it would tie in with what he was doing in the nation. And, you know, I'm 68 now, but I feel vibrant, full of life, energy, vitality. I feel literally like I've been getting younger every year and, and loving it, ready to run my race by his grace for years to come. But I was talking to the Lord at a prayer retreat a couple years ago and thought, Lord, shouldn't you have done this by now? Shouldn't some of these things have happened by now? And hey, he spoke to me very gently and said, where is your faith? And I said, well, Lord, that's the whole thing. If I knew that I knew that I'd believe and that is, well, you gotta believe. Didn't I do everything else I promised you? So as, as interesting as it is, after all these years of agonized prayer and intercession, God finally gave us the release, raised up a sponsor for us to help where we are now beginning to expand across America on major stations so that our reach will increase by tens of millions. And the newest station that we'll be launching on May 1st is right here, blanketing DFW. Amen. It gives us access to 
up to 7 million people just driving in their cars. So it is on K-Word, so K-W-R-D, that's 100.7 FM, K-W-R-D, 2 to 3 p.m. So it's 2 to 3 p.m., five days a week. You'll be watching the news and get all frustrated. Turn the news off, turn the radio on, because here's the deal. We won't get your blood boiling unless we also get your faith rising. We'll look at the crazy stuff that's happening in the world, but then come with a gospel solution. And we'll tackle the areas that nobody wants to tackle. We've been doing it for years, but we'll do it with grace and truth, word and spirit together. So every day, five days a week, 2 to 3 p.m., 100.7 FM, tell your friends, then just flip on the radio and listen to your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Or you can call 866-34-TRUTH to get on the air. Okay. <clears throat> That's one thing. Second thing is we have literally thousands of hours of free resources that are available to you online on a wide range of topics. I mean, you're wondering, how do I answer this? How do I respond to this? What does the Bible say about this? We've got the resources for you. Over 2,500 articles, over 3,000 videos, all available for you. And you can literally take me home in your phone with you. You can ask me questions 24 hours a day. Are you saying that you'll come on the, well, not me live, okay? But I want to encourage you, grab your phones now. And we're going to set a record today for most app downloads in a single Sunday service. Grab your phones, and it is Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Download it in Apple Play Store, Google, Android. Ask Dr. Brown Ministries, ASK Dr. Brown Ministries. Or you can just look up at the screen and scan that QR code. You'll see my smiling face. Whenever you're depressed, just pull it up, and there's my smiling face. People listening to radio say, we can hear the smile in your voice. It's always there. Uh, but once you get it, download it then later this afternoon. Just search for subjects you're interested in. Or you'll see on the homepage as you scroll down, you'll see the Real Messiah website. That's where you can watch debates I've had with rabbis. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I debated a Muslim in, in London. Then a few days after that, a, a, a black Hebrew Israelite leader online. All this stuff accessible on the website, all the controversial issues. How do we, what do we say about abortion, gay, lesbian issues? How do we combine love and truth? All there for you, all right? So download that, explore the site, check it out, and tell your friends, all right? Oh, also, for those that don't like me, you can just print up that picture and make it into a dartboard. Any critics or haters here, get the venom out, get the anger out. I'll still be smiling at you. There you go. Okay, last thing, um, as, as this is a series on, on strengthening the foundations, I'm going to be ministering on, on one of the most foundational issues of all in my message today at Pastor Landon's request. I have a book that ties in with this, just came out, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. You can get it online or in the, the bookstore here. Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith responded to the deconstructionist movement with unshakable, timeless truth. A lot of people have fallen away, prominent leaders, people questioning what they believe. This book will explain why, what's happened, how this has taken place, why people have fallen away, and then give you solid answers, how to respond, how to answer. So it's written with compassion, but without compromise. So if you're struggling, it's okay to struggle, just be honest with God. There are answers for you. You don't have to hide it and keep it to yourself and then just walk out one day. The answers are there also if you want to help someone, you want to understand and help those who've fallen away, help those who are hurting and struggling, this book will help. And in harmony with today's message, there's a whole chapter in the book which answers the question, why would a good God send billions of people to hell? So that's in the book, wanted to make that available to you. Okay, with that, we will pray together. Thank you, Lord. Our God and our Father, we look to you, eternal one. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Make eternity real to us. Make heaven and hell 
real to us. Make the gospel real to us. Write your word on our hearts. Shake things that must be shaken in our lives that we may take hold of your eternal truths. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start in Daniel chapter 12. This is one of many passages in the Bible that speaks of the eternal fate of the righteous and the unrighteous, of the saved and the lost. There are many verses that lay this out starkly and clearly as I speak to you today about heaven and hell. Verse 1, Daniel 12, at that time Michael, the great prince who protects your people, speaking of Israel, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Then Matthew 25, the end of what we refer to as the parable of the sheep and the goats. So those that are represented by the goats, those who have not done righteously, verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus speaks of this as well in John 5 when he says, all who are in the graves will come up, those who have done good to a resurrection of life, those who have done evil to a resurrection of condemnation. And then finally, the book of Revelation, chapter 21. So the end of the Bible, the second to last chapter, beginning in verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be my, their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Every one of us has been born and we had no choice in the matter. We were brought into this world through no choice of our own. And no matter what we desire, every one of us will die. Ultimately, it cannot be escaped. Unless we are the generation that is here when Jesus returns, everyone will die, everyone who's lived thus far, unless you say with the exception of Enoch and Elijah, everyone who's lived thus far has died physically. I remember about a year and a half ago, right after Christmas, when my wife and I both got COVID at the same time, and we had lost some dear friends to COVID right around that time as well in the months before it. It just hit me that reality. Some people got hit with this terrible fear when COVID hit them, that there's nothing you can do about it. You're gonna die. And I just began to think once again, not about my own life at that moment, but of the absolute certainty of death. You can't stop it, it's ultimately gonna happen. And then you go from this world into eternity. And there are only two choices this is either heaven or hell. There's either being with God or being separated from God. There's either eternal life or eternal death. There's no other alternative. You can't opt out. You can't say, well, I don't believe in this. I'd rather not. There is no other alternative. You can't hit redo, reset. That's it. These are realities. Often we get so caught up with this world and with the things of this world and with the momentary enjoyments and entertainments and distractions, we forget that we are just passing through this world. This world is tremendously important for many reasons that I'll get to in a little while, but we are ultimately just passing through and then it is forever. The fate of those who reject God's mercy 
will be irreversible, it will be dreadful, and it will be of eternal consequence. Let me say it again. The fate of those who reject God's mercy will be irreversible, it will be dreadful, and it will be of eternal consequence. The fate of those who receive God's mercy will also be irreversible and of eternal consequence, but more wonderful than our wildest dreams could possibly imagine. More glorious, more splendid, more fulfilling. We do not have human words to describe the glory that is to come. The Spirit has revealed so that we get a glimpse of it. But the reality of it, to touch it, to live it, to experience it, is beyond our wildest dreams. Yes, the moment we die, we go into God's presence, absence from the body, present with the Lord. That's true. The moment we leave this world as believers, we go to be with him. But that is not the ultimate vision because we're not even resurrected. We're there in a spiritual form, but we're, we're, not, we're not fully everything we're going to be. We haven't been resurrected, received these glorious new bodies. But one day God will renovate the universe, make a new heavens and a new earth, and bring his kingdom right down here where he will rule and reign in our midst, and we will see him face to face. It won't be a matter of walking by faith. We will see him face to face. And, and, and think of this, it's, it's almost beyond comprehension. We've experienced the joy of the Lord sometimes in ways you just want to jump out of your skin. It's so incredible. And, and this revelation of who he is, Psalm 16 said, in his presence is fullness of joy. Thinking of just being directly in his perfect presence. Joy beyond what we can imagine. First Peter 1 talks about the joy we have now as an inexpressible and glorious joy. How much more there? The perfect peace, the revelation of God's love. And, and look at what it says here in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more funerals. No more heartbreak. No more depression. No more suicide. No, no more loneliness and isolation. No more torment. No, many, no more kids cutting themselves out of pain. No. Every tear wiped away. Forever. Forever. There will be no more death. Think of that. No more death. Forever and ever and ever and ever. All the agony and pain and suffering in this world is ultimately just like a blip in the light of eternity. You know, there's that, that old description of what eternity is like. Picture a bird that picks up in its beak one grain of sand and flies all the way to the other side of the world puts the grain of sand there, flies back, gets another grain of sand, until ultimately it has taken every grain of sand from one part of the earth on every beach, back and forth, one grain at a time, until it has filled the other part of the world. That's not even a blip in eternity. <laughs> My mind short circuits when I try to understand these things. I just stop and worship. No more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Wow. He was seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. My wife Nancy has often looked at things that talk about the universe and, and the vast scope of what God has created. And that's another one of those things, even though we know it's real and physical, that still short circuits the brain. 
when you hear descriptions of things and, and you, know, you try to wrap your mind around the reality of a galaxy, but it's so beyond anything we can, we can comprehend just in our human earthly life. We just have to have these figures and numbers that are indescribable. And then you find out there are billions of galaxies. And you wonder, what's God's plan for eternity? Why did he make all this? And, and what about dreams that are put in you that never get realized in this world? What about visions? What about creativity? So yes, forever and ever, the center of our existence is worshiping God and knowing God and being with him. But there, there are plans he has we just don't even know. You say, well, why doesn't God tell us more? Number one, we don't need to know. He tells us what we need to know, not what we want to know. Secondly, what makes us think we could even understand if he told us? My PhD is in Near Eastern languages and literatures. I could get into a discussion with you as to the old debate about whether Ugaritic is a Canaanite dialect or not. And the more I explain, the more you don't understand. You could talk to me about a host of subjects that I'm completely ignorant about. I was trying to understand some stuff about genetics for a recent debate I was doing. And the more I read, the less I understood. And then someone broke it down and explained it more and I understood less. There are endless questions we have. What about baby that was aborted, immediately went to be with the Lord? Let's say you were the mother of that child, you get saved years later, God forgives you, and well, what, do I see a baby when I get to heaven? Is it an older child? We don't know. What about someone that, that dies and their, their mind is compromised, they're 94 years old, when we're with them forever, are they 30? We don't know these things, but we just know that being in God's presence is going to be beyond our greatest dreams coming true. I, I sometimes get asked the question on the radio, because again, it's live talk radio. People call in with any kind of question and our ministry is Ask Dr. Brown. So we get endlessly flooded with questions and people want to know, will there be pets in heaven? <laughs> will, 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 will my little Bambi be in, in heaven? And people get really, look, you know, you've had pets, we all get attached to them, right? And people get very upset if I don't answer in a way that I want, they want me to answer. But I tell them, listen, I can guarantee you, if it's not your pet, it'll be something better. It'll, you know. Hey, Boomer, you wanna go for a walk? Yeah, I think it'd be a good time to go for a walk. Who knows what, talking, I mean, we don't know what'll be there. That's just like the sideshow. Those are just the little incidentals. And I can assure you, if, if your little pet cobra is not there, you won't miss it. There'll be so much glory and splendor. What's even more wild is, is, is Paul says, think, think of it, Paul was whipped. Paul was, was beat with rods. Paul was stoned. Paul suffered shipwreck, starvation. Every kind of hardship he went through. Brutal imprisonment. And he said, this is Paul speaking, our light and momentary affliction. It's the little suffering. Our light and momentary affliction works a far greater weight of glory. He said, I, I consider the sufferings of this present world not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. It's, it's not just the glory of the presence of God, but there will be a glory of his presence in us and through us. You know, I kind of imagine running into someone I haven't seen in like four million years. <laughs> running into them and it's hard to figure out who they are because they're glowing. I mean, again, it's just me talking and speculating. Yes, this world is important. Why? Well, what we do in this world will have eternal implications. What we do in this world will last forever for good or for bad. That encourages me all the time that, that even if we're rejected or hated or maligned or our message is not heard, the way we honor the Lord now, that's going to make an eternal impact. And you never know the people that you've witnessed to that will come in on that day. One of the blessings of getting older that I, that I didn't realize, but one of the blessings of getting older is people you've prayed for for decades and decades and decades, you see them get saved. 
People that have been away from the Lord, you prayed for for decades and decades, you see them come back. So the older you get, you see a whole lot more prayers answered. Come on, it gets better and better. This world is also important because this is the only time that we get to walk by faith. This is the only time that we get to resist sin. Because think of it, the world to come, there's no sin. There's no temptation. Think of it, you don't have to battle anymore. You don't have to fight for purity. You don't, you don't have to fight for your marriage or contend for your child's salvation. There won't be any battles like that. I imagine God will give us wonderful, glorious opportunities and challenges, but no battle, no battle with sin. You don't have to deal with the flesh. You don't have to crucify the flesh anymore. Think of it. It won't be a world that tempts us. There won't be evil we have to deal with. But here is where we get to shine for the Lord and grow. Here is, here is our, our testing ground. When Bill Johnson lost his wife, Benny, after years of prayer for cancer healing and she wasn't healed, he spoke very beautifully at, at, at the, the service, the celebration service after her passing. And basically saying he wasn't, to paraphrase, he wasn't trying to rush through the grief and pain because this was the only opportunity he'll ever have to walk with God through a situation like this. To be able to worship him and praise him in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the pain. Some years ago, Nancy gave me an insight I had never thought of. It's not just our only opportunity to walk through these painful, difficult situations and to shine and do the right thing and honor God in the midst of it. It's not just special to us because forever and ever we won't have to walk by faith or contend with loss or agony or pain. But she said it's also very special to God because this is the only time that he gets to experience this with us. That he gets to walk with us in the midst of the pain and challenge. This world is important, but it's most important because it paves the way for eternity, forever and ever and ever. And, and the trajectory we set in this world will go on forever and ever. You know, it's a strange thing, but people have this reflex reaction, just this mentality that it's an automatic, when someone dies, they go to a better place. Where do we get that from? You know, here's, here's somebody, troublemaker, sinner, vile, terrible person, they die or they're in their better place, based on what? If they rejected the light in this world, then I can embrace it in the world to come. You know, people want to go to heaven. It's like you can't party in heaven. You can't get drunk in heaven. You can't sleep around in heaven. You can't just do your thing in heaven. In heaven, we praise God and worship God and live in a place of perfect purity. If you hate it here, why will you want it there? If you want nothing to do with God here, then the worst thing for you is to have to be with him forever. Oh, he's in a better place. Says who? The spirit leaving the body does not change the nature of the spirit. And that's why there is a place of punishment. Because God is just. Because God does what is right. He, he's, he's not schizophrenic, full of love and mercy one day and some sadistic monster the next day. And, and we need to put out of our heads some of the the notions we have of hell, kind of like a Dante's Inferno torture chamber and, and have a picture of God gleefully roasting somebody over the fire pit for like a million years and then laughing as he turns them over on the other side. Oh yeah, watch this. Going on forever and ever and ever. We need to put those images out of our minds. At the same time, we have to realize that Jesus spoke of the fire of hell that the punishment of hell is likened to a lake of fire, that the scriptures speak of torment, of gnashing of teeth, of, of pitch darkness. And obviously these are different images, pitch darkness and fire don't go hand in hand, but they're all to convey the seriousness of punishment. Years ago, 
in what was called the emergent church movement then. Some of it has just shifted over to what we might call progressive Christianity today. I heard leaders engage in what I called the celebration of ambiguity. They would get up and say, you know, we just really don't know about these things. We really can't be sure. You don't know, I don't know. And I watched that and I said to myself, then sit down. If you don't know, then why are you leading us? If you can't be sure, if you can't say absolute yes or no on the most fundamental issues of the human race, why are you leading anybody? And they would say, you know, it's not the destination that's important. It's the journey. Well, I mean, the journey is important. But I would rather have a terrible journey to heaven than a beautiful journey to hell. You better believe the destination matters. What, what I began to see over 50 years ago when I was first saved and I would share the gospel with people, immediately, not all the time, but frequently, they would ask me two questions. Immediately. What about those who never heard? And is there life on other planets? As if that had anything to do with their own soul. As if that had anything to do with their own life. I mean, picture this, someone starving, dying, and you come with water, with some healthy food for them. And hey, hey, we heard you're in trouble, we brought this. Do you think their first question would be, what about people starving in other parts of the world? Or, do you think there's life on other planets? No, this is just a way of pushing away of, of people not having to deal with the issue. But it is fair to ask, what about those who never heard? I mean, do we believe in a God who would bring people into this world in an environment where they would never hear of Jesus? I mean, literally, over two billion people on the planet have no clue who Jesus is, what Jesus is, what the gospel is, zero. You say Romans 1 says they're out without excuse. I understand all humanity is without excuse. Romans 2 also brings in some interesting concepts there. But when people ask me that, I simply tell them, God will be perfectly fair. I cannot, why do you have to give an answer for what God is gonna do about something that you're not expert in? It's one thing to be a leader and not be clear on all the fundamentals and black and white and yes and no, and this is what we believe and this is why. It's another thing to think we're supposed to have an answer for everything. Well, what about, I come from a Muslim family. Devout Muslims, are you saying all the, every past generation or here being Jewish, every past generation, every, every last person is in hell? God knows. That's my answer. God knows. But I, I want to help you. What about you? And I can guarantee you that God will be perfectly fair on that day. That I can guarantee you. But that doesn't really answer the deeper question. How can there be a hell? How can there be eternal blessing and at the same time eternal burning? If God is as good as we say he is, then how can he consign anyone to eternal suffering? When I was praying about how to address that afresh in my new book, I felt it was really important to first remind people who the God of the Bible is. Yes, Genesis 18, as Abraham says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And he is a righteous judge. Scriptures lay that out. So just picture an earthly judge. Let's say there was a serial killer on the loose, raping and killing children. He's finally captured one of the most horrific crime sprees we've ever seen. He's convicted of guilty, being guilty on all counts. He's either gonna spend the rest of his life behind bars or be executed, rightly so. And the judge says, you know, Everybody can have a little bad streak. Just don't do it again and, and, and go ahead. Goodbye, you're free. There'd be outrage because there's no justice. There'd be outrage because sin must be punished. It must be a message sent to others. This person must pay for what they did. And on top of it, they need to be removed from society. Well, God is a righteous judge and we are terribly unrighteous ourselves. 
You say, oh, don't judge me, preacher. You don't know how I live. Okay, let's take the thoughts you thought for the last month, put them on the big screen with your name on top of it. <laughs> Anyone want to volunteer for that? How about the stuff you did that only God saw? How about the stuff you think that only God saw? That's why it says in Proverbs 20, who, who can say, my hands are clean, I'm pure, I'm pure of sin. In my drug days, many of you know my testimony, when God saved me in 71, I was a heroin shooting, LSD using, long-haired, hippie rock drummer, 16 years old. The drugs were just the manifestation of the sin in my heart. I was full of pride, anger, lust, horrific temper, evil, to, I mean, just tear people up with my words, even stole money from my own father broke into a doctor's office with a friend just for fun to steal drugs, broke into a few homes just for fun. I mean, just stupid, crazy stuff. And I remember one time, I believe I remember the exact place, I was with my friends and we were huffing diesel gas to get high. We'd do some drug and then huff diesel gas to get high. And my friends had been hearing the gospel and they'd been preaching to me. They weren't saved yet, but they were hearing the gospel and talking to me. And I remember... Picture this, having done some drug and now high on diesel gas, saying to myself, if there really is a God, he knows I'm basically a good person. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's a great time to get a revelation while huffing diesel gas. Great spiritual insights. I remember saying to myself, God knows if I see an old, old woman Walking into a store, I open the door for her. If I see some homeless person on the street, I give him some change. I remember hanging out with a junkie one time. And, and he was telling me about a particular guy. Don't, don't deal with this guy. You can't trust him. You give him any money. He's not going to get the drugs he promised. You can't trust this guy. And he said, he would steal from his own grandmother. And I said to him, but you steal from your mother. He goes, yeah, but I'd never steal from my grandmother. <laughs> Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Some of us are guilty of being self-righteous hypocrites. We judge others for the very things that we do. And it's not just the outward. Jesus said if, if we lust, then we've committed adultery in our hearts. Some of you committed adultery in your heart today. This is human nature. The great commands, love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. We've never done that perfectly a single day of our lives. God brings up all the selfishness, all the junk on that day. We, we're in trouble. You can't hire a high-powered defense attorney. No one's going to hold your hand. It's you and God on that day. I remember when I lived in New York, while I was in college... I parked my car going to school one day at Queens College, and I must have not seen signage because of snow or something. I got a ticket, but someone must have taken it off the windshield of my car because I never knew I got a ticket until I got a notice in the mail that my license was being suspended. So I went in, had to go to the court, and I'm sitting there, and it's case after case before me. And I don't think they had a full-blown computer system. It was too early for that. But they had some kind of database they could search. And I remember one guy coming in uh, to plead for clemency for his wife. And he says to the judge, Your Honor, uh, it's true that my wife went through a red light. But you see, the, the brakes on our car weren't working well. And when she tried to stop at the light, she, she was not able to stop. And that's why she went through the red light. And I thought, okay, it's a mechanical issue. That's fair. And the judge says to him, how dare you let your wife go out in a car without working brakes? <laughs> Boom, whatever this is. Like, okay. And then another guy gets up. Your Honor, I asked for clemency. I, yes, it's true. I, I, I was drinking and driving. This never happened to me before. I've never struggled with, you know. I'm asking the court for mercy. And the judge was, a, was ready to be lenient when his secretary, whatever database she's searching, she goes, sir, this is his third DWA in the last, uh, last 12 months. License revoked, out of here. I'm like, 
okay, I'm just going to say I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm not going to explain that the, the, the ticket was taken from my windshield and I never saw it, which was the truth. But now it's just a couple of us left and there's a guy sitting next to me and I thought, I got to use this for the gospel. So I said to him, you know, some of us think we're pretty good and we're going to stand before God one day and make all our excuses and, and, and God's going to have the records. And then this guy, turns out he was a believer too, and he smiles, he goes, and God's database, uh, whatever term he used back then, is a whole lot more detailed than any of ours. And I said to him, only the blood of Jesus can, yeah, only the blood of Jesus, and we just smiled. You wanna know how ugly your sin is and my sin? Look at the cross. That's what it costs God. The, the brutality, the ugliness, the perfect son of God dying the most barbaric, horrific death, hanging naked on the cross. That's how ugly our sin is in God's sight. When we stand before him, we will not be able to say I'm pretty good or no, no. When we stand before his perfect brightness and perfect purity, we'll be completely undone. Guilty, guilty. And his words will be because we had opportunity to receive mercy. And it could be for you today, this is your, your opportunity. His words will be, depart from me, I never knew you. You say, but I, I still don't get how God could ever say that. Let me just read some scripture to you about the nature of God. And, and this encourages me to know that our God always does what's right. He says this to disobedient Israel. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. He longs to be gracious to you. That's who he is. Micah 7, beginning in verse 18. Miel Kamocha, who is a God like you? He pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. He doesn't hold on to his anger forever. Because he delights in showing mercy. That's why he sent his son. Look at what David says in Psalm 103 about the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we are formed, he remembers that we're dust. And then God says this in Ezekiel 18, verses 30 and 31 to disobedient Israel. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And then this picture of the nature of God in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is, this is his very nature and, and it's revealed to us through the cross. God is love and he extends love and mercy to us through the cross. But if we reject it, we will die for our sins. We will suffer for our sins. Some would say that the reason that punishment is eternal is that rebellion is eternal. People will continue to rebel and be punished. Others would say we've committed sins against an eternal God and therefore the punishment is eternal. Others would emphasize that, that scripture doesn't give us a picture of people being tortured forever and ever. It gives us a picture of people being cut off the wicked will be cut off and be no more. It's a common theme in the Old Testament. Whoever believes in him, John 3, 16, will not perish. Matthew 10, 28, don't fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather fear whom, who can destroy body and soul in hell. Or 2 Thessalonians 1, 
says that the Lord will punish the wicked with eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord. Some would emphasize that there is a, a final end of punishment. Either way, to reemphasize the punishment that awaits those who reject God's mercy is irreversible. It is dreadful and of eternal consequence. And for sure, those who reject God's mercy will not experience all the things we've talked about will not experience eternal life, will not experience the presence of God forever, will not experience the fullness of everything God made us for. And when Nancy and I met, as I come to a close, we were both 19 and she was a very staunch atheist. She'd become an atheist by the time she was eight. Just thought it would be wonderful if there was a God. It's a shame that there isn't. And then God miraculously intervened in her life and saved her and brought us together. But she's helped me to understand the atheist mentality a lot over the years and just talked about the terror of death because that everything ends there, it's it. You, everything you are, boom, it's over. Think of that and now you stand before God and face judgment, oh my. But here's the good news, no one has to be lost. No one has to perish. No one has to suffer the judgment of hell. No one. So if you're here today and you do not know that you know that your sins are forgiven, you say, how does it work? We were guilty. We deserve punishment. Nobody made me or you do anything wrong. It's our own choices. But rather than God condemning us, he sent his perfect son and his son said, I will take all the punishment everyone deserves. I'll take it on myself. You say, we don't deserve that. Correct, we don't deserve that. That's called grace. That's called love. And Jesus died and paid for our sin. So God can say, paid in full and give you a complete clean slate. As if you never sinned before. A complete clean slate. Take away the guilt. Take away the fear. Take away the condemnation. But it's not so you can go sin again. It's that so now you can live for God. Jesus died, rose from the dead so that forever we can be with him. And from here on, Jesus is our Lord. And let me say this, having walked with him over 51 years now, surrendering your life to God is the most wonderful, amazing thing you could ever do. And you find out, this is what I was made for. And whatever difficulties, hardships we have in this world, number one, God is with us in the midst of them. Number two, they don't compare for a split second to the goodness and glory that is to come. Amen? So let's stand to our feet together. Let's stand to our feet together. There were a good number who responded this morning. This is your day. Today, Scripture says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You don't have tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. You have this moment. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. If you are not sure that your sins are forgiven... If you are not sure that you have been born again to start a new life, if you have not surrendered your life and said, Jesus, I want to be forgiven. I, I want new life. I, I, don't, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be with you forever and ever. If that's you and you're serious, I want you to step out from where you are, from the balcony, from down here, and just come up right now. Jesus died for you publicly. You come and surrender to him publicly. If he's at work in your heart, come on, don't wait for anybody else. This is the most important decision you'll ever make your entire life, all right? And this is the moment to do it. God brought you here for this moment. If that's you, come on up. Come on. Time to get right with God. Time to receive mercy and forgiveness. Come on. Jesus, just close your eyes and talk to the Lord. Come on, let's get right with God today. No more guilt, no more condemnation. Brand new start. God, I acknowledge I'm guilty in your sight. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge my guilt, but I believe Jesus died for me. If you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, if you're not sure if you were to die now, you'd be with him forever. Come on, let's get right with God. There are more than need forgiveness. The blood Jesus shed covers everything you ever did. You say, even that, even that.
He died for you. Come on, let's get right with God today. Jesus, let's get right with God today. You can be set free from drug addiction. You can be set free from alcoholism. You can be set free from depression. You say, I messed up my life. Very true. Jesus can put it back together better than it's ever been. But it means from here on, you're not living for you, you're living for him. Anybody else? Maybe you've been away from God and you don't know if he'll ever receive you. The whole message of scripture is come back, come back. Anybody else, you need to get right with God today. You need to make a fresh surrender. You've been maybe one foot in, one foot out, but today you're saying from here on, Jesus is Lord. Anybody else, come on. Anybody else? It's worth waiting. Angels in heaven rejoicing. Time to surrender. I wanna get right with God today. No more playing games. Come on. Come on. Full surrender. Come on, in Jesus' name. Just close your eyes and talk to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. It's time, it's time, it's time. Jesus, Jesus only. Jesus, be the Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me. Cleanse me. New life. New life starting today. Come on, it's time. The devil has lied to you and the devil has lied about you, but it stops today. It stops today. Anybody else? Time to get right with God. Time to get right with God. Come on. Come on up. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, wash me clean. Jesus, wash me clean. New day, new beginning. Anybody else? No more playing games. You say, but I'm afraid I'll fall again. God will pick you up. God will pick you up. Don't let past failures stop you. Anybody else? Last call. If you're watching online, just get with God and pour your heart out to him and ask him to forgive you and cleanse you. Thank you, Lord, for saving today. Thank you for new life. Thank you for writing names in the book of life. Come on, come on. Time to get right with God. Time to get right with God. Time to receive forgiveness. Full surrender, full surrender. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 